the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back to the Dan Prof Show. One of the uh, benefits from the left of running around uh, looking for violent extremists and uh, using that moniker to describe anybody with whom you disagree, talking about white nationalists and white supremacists as the existential threat to the republic, as has been the case from uh, Susan Rice and others over the last several days, the first week of the Biden administration, is that you don't have to address uh, the Antifa rioting that continues on America's streets, particularly in the Pacific Northwest, but not limited to the Pacific Northwest. You don't have to address Black Lives Matter, the uh, intrinsic nature of that Marxist organization and uh, what uh, they may have planned for the Biden years. For more on the topics not being addressed, pleased to be joined by Jake Wallace Simons, award-winning British journalist, novelist, and deputy editor for the Jewish Chronicle. Jake, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. So with respect to Black Lives Matter and uh, Antifa, that that perhaps is less focused on this particular uh, pathology than Black Lives Matter, uh, and we've seen this play out uh, in the context of COVID policy in places like New York City as well. The anti-Semitism that uh, punctuates some of these uh, leftist organizations uh, that's, uh, you know, frankly, consistent with uh, Marxists of a bygone era. Uh, and, um, you know, that truth that has to be confronted or, or should be confronted, even if there's a desire to paper over it by some. That's right. I mean, I think that the Black Lives Matter movement has a very uncomfortable relationship with Jews. And we've seen that all over the world, actually, not just in the United States, since the killing of of George Floyd caused the whole thing to really explode. Uh, We've seen Jewish shops being destroyed by the rioters. We've seen synagogues sprayed with free Palestine graffiti. Uh, We even saw a statue of a Swedish diplomat who had saved Hungarian Jews from the Nazis being defaced with anti-Semitic slogans. And in France, there was a, a Black Lives Matter rally that descended into cries of dirty Jews, mm. which brought to mind the Dreyfus Affair you know, a century yes. ago. Yeah. And so you know, Black Lives Matter activists, not all of them, but, but some of them, a significant uh, portion of them, do have a problem with Jews. And to me, that is sad and worrying and troubling. But also, if you reverse through history and look at the figures of Martin Luther King and Malcolm X, it's quite clear who their historical forebears were. And, and it wasn't Martin Luther King with his nonviolence policy and his inclusive attitude and his defense of Jews in many different contexts. It was definitely Malcolm X, whose biography contains a lot of anti-Semitism. And I think he is taken as the sort of example for modern day Black Lives Matter um, activists. And the whole thing, of course, was accelerated by this magnifying 
presence of social media, uh, which has caused everything to become more and more frenzied. And I think that today, nobody would argue to be racist. Everybody argues against racism. But I think the question faces us, that faces us today, the most urgent question, is whether we take the Martin Luther King approach of conciliation and, um, and peace and looking beyond the differences of the colors of our skin to the content of our character, or whether we take the more militant and divisive approach that has grown from the tradition of Malcolm X, and which is exemplified on the streets of the United States today uh, in the Black Lives Matter uh, rioters. Yeah, and you uh, make a point, make this point in a piece I read from you uh, in The Spectator, uh, that King stood up for persecuted peoples everywhere, including uh, Jews who were being persecuted behind the Iron Curtain some half a century ago. Um, whereas here now today and with groups like Black Lives Matter, it seemed there seems to be sort of a persecution political pecking order. You know, um, if we're being persecuted, then then we can't have other people who are also being persecuted to whom we're rallying uh, we're, we're rallying with because, you know, the persecution is a power real or perceived is a claim to certain benefits or a certain political power. And we don't want to share it. Yeah, it's a sort of this weird phenomenon, modern phenomenon of, of competing for victimhood. You know, it feels like that's really on, on the on the uh, liberal left and certainly the further you go to the left. Uh, there is this sense that you've got to find the persecuted group to be part of, whether it's a sexual minority or a racial minority or or some kind of combination of the, of the two or what, what they call intersectionality. But there is a competition for victimhood because there's a sense that that gives your voice a legitimacy and a weight because the nature of identity politics is that if you don't have victimhood, you're kind of barred and you're not taken seriously because you haven't got lived experience, as it were. And so I think they're, they're into a bit of a tangle, an ideological tangle when it comes to competing narratives of victimhood. And Jews are seen in a very complicated way by the radical left at the moment because are they black? Are they white? Are they privileged? Are they oppressed? Um, you know, which side of, of this argument are they on? And of course, Jews as a whole, is, is not, they're not a monolithic entity. There are many different types and shades and right. persuasions of Jew. And so I think it challenges the ident identitarian politics narrative on a number of different levels at once. Uh, it's interesting that um, the solution to that complexity, uh, where, where the radical left is concerned, has tended to be lump Jews in with the white oppressor and hate them, um, well, which is sort of in the, in the Malcolm X uh, mold. Yeah, and, and something else, too, that you see, we saw play out, as I mentioned before, with COVID policy I sort of alluded to, is uh, the radical left and their influence on otherwise, you know, quote-unquote mainstream politicians and the way or the Orthodox Jewish community was treated by de Blasio and, to a lesser extent, Cuomo in New York with respect to COVID lockdown policies when they would defy them for a, a, a service at a synagogue or a funeral service, the, the nature of that community being so tight-knit. And, and the threats... Uh, from from public officials to say, if you don't uh, abide this stricture, then we, I'll shut down your synagogue permanently. I mean, it, w w an American politician talking about shutting down a place of worship is a big jump. But it, the Orthodox community within the Jewish community seems to be the easiest target for politicians to take up because, you know, any Orthodox religious community is uh, an easy target for the radical left. That's right. And I think that the interesting thing about the Orthodox community in the United States is that although they look very different from mainstream Americans, uh, you know, superficially, actually, uh, beneath that, they are more like mainstream Americans, certainly of the center right, than other more liberal Jews, uh, in that Orthodox Jews have similar 
um, principles of, of, of family. They're quite conservative in their in their social beliefs and in their, in their political outlook. And certainly they tend to vote Republican. And this makes them also a big challenge to the liberal left, um, who have a problem with Jews anyway, as I've, as I've described in general. Uh, and the Orthodox are uh, challenging on a number of different levels. And look, you know, demographically in the States, uh, the, 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 the Jews who are on the sort of weakest, most liberal end of the spectrum, perhaps the ones that we see populating the higher echelons of the Biden administration at the moment, actually, right. um, are beginning to assimilate and to drift away and to evaporate into the non-Jewish mainstream. And what this means is that the proportion of Orthodox of the Jewish community in the States is becoming larger because the rest are fading away. And so in a way, over the next few years, we're going to see a Jewish population in the States that is more Orthodox and also more Republican. And I think that this represents a big, uh, a big shift in American politics. Um, and when that's coupled with the Biden administration that actually people do question his affinity uh, for Israel and the, and the, the amount of uh, the amount the, the extent to which he looks out for Israel's interests you, you end up with a quite a troubling dynamic that seeks, seeks to um, sort of disrupt the age-old relationship between the Democrats and the Jews he is Jake Wallace Simons award-winning British journalist novelist and deputy editor for the Jewish Chronicle Jake thanks so much for joining us appreciate it thank you so much for having me take care Exposing political fakers, fixers, and takers. He's Dan Proft, and this is The Dan Proft Show.